politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow patriots, independent conservatives, and all-around common-sense Americans to the one and only Conservative Review podcast here on this Friday, Labor Day weekend, August 30th. This is the end of the line, the end of the summer. Can't wait till the kids go back to school next week. Um, Gosh, they've been driving me crazy here at home all week in between camp and school. Uh, But uh, I'm telling you guys, Next week's going to be a dogfight. It's going to be a dogfight because you know what? The left, they don't take vacations. They don't sleep. They've been preparing all August, all summer for an assault on our constitutional rights, going after gun control because they think the safety agenda is rooted in denuding us of our rights. Meanwhile, meanwhile, we have a war at our border. We have a war at the other side of the border. And the effects reverberate throughout all 50 states. You know, you see this cartel gang culture permeating our our culture everywhere. Just yesterday, the sixth rape suspect was arrested in Montgomery County as an illegal alien. Montgomery County, Maryland, thanks to ABC reporter Kevin Lewis for being one of the rare journalists that actually care to cover this. And uh, you know what's interesting? The guy said that you know when he was accused of touching this 12 year old boy as well as a girl a similar age it's part of the machismo culture of what we do in el salvador and you know what i'll be the first to tell you he's not completely wrong um there's a problem when you import that culture in an irresponsible way not through a legal vetting process of legal immigration and through proper gradual numbers this is what you bring in We had yesterday as well, courtesy of Breitbart's John Binder, terrific reporter, one of the few good ones. It turns out that Ethiopian who killed this D.C. intern in northwest D.C., very close to where the political class lives, you would think this would really gain traction in the news. Turns out the guy was a refugee, a refugee we let in. Another case, an immigrant we let in in Fairfax County was caught defacing American flags. What are we bringing into this country? One other thing before we get to our special guest today. (sighs) Let me see how to say this. You know, last night I thought I'd uh, enjoy this long holiday weekend. Finally take off, spend some time with the wife. And then around 830, I saw from the Arizona Republic that the Republican governor of Arizona While that state is beleaguered beyond belief, invaded with the effects of the cartels of drugs, hospitalizations of illegals, the education system, I found out, guess what? This dude applauded the State Board of Regents' decision, unanimous decision, to give in-state tuition discounts to illegal aliens. Republican. A Teletubby Republican. Yes, you could see on the screen, this is a live view of of Governor Ducey and his Teletubby friends. Now, let me tell you something. There are roughly 630,000 illegal aliens in Arizona. That is a population larger than the size of any colony at the time of our founding. Okay, That's the population of illegals in the state. More than 10% of the state's... uh, 
K through 12 public school enrollment are illegal aliens. We've had Sheriff Leon Wilmot telling us his local hospitals in Yuma are just flooded with these people. Guess who's paying for it? We are. We've had Sheriff Mark Lamb from Pinal County telling us that the cartels are operating 70 miles into the border, completely directing the flow of, of gangs, drugs, everything going in there. Phoenix, Maricopa County, kidnapping capital of this country. Just a couple months ago, four HSI guys were shot in a shootout with human smugglers. The child sex assaults that I see in Arizona every day arrested there. And boy, is there a cultural problem with that. And this dude has nothing to say about that. All he has to say is, um, if they go to Arizona high schools, they're Arizonans. Really? So the 67 illegals that just came yesterday in Tucson, so they're Arizonans too? 7.8 billion people in the world, potentially. Anyone who comes is an Arizonan? With Republicans like this, who needs Democrats? Anyway, let me move on. And this is all connected. So you have the cartels engaged in warfare at our border, below our border. No one in the media wants to discuss this. No one in the political class discusses this. When do you ever hear the cartels discussed in terms of national security? No. It's all, there's a humanitarian crisis. Nothing about national security. Well, if we want to discuss the cartels, how they affect us, what's going on in Mexico, we had Dan Steiner on last week giving us a briefing. Today, we're going to have a repeat guest that we've had many times, but the first time now that we're running our video show, Jason Jones is the biggest expert I know on all issues, cartels, national security at the border, really the entire border situation. Jason is a retired captain for Texas Department of Public Safety. Um, he led task forces uh, to counter the cartels and do stuff at the border, which, frankly, the federal government's not even doing. So, th so this guy knows more than the feds do. Um, and, and I'm so thankful. One of the biggest honors of my career being able to do this for a living is actually meeting people who know what the hell they're talking about, something you don't see on cable news. Um, you're going to want to follow him, Jason underscore Jones on Twitter, and that's spelled J. A-E-S-O-N. It's funny. I'm so used to calling all my friends Jason now. I spell I spell the name with an A. Um, <laughs> hey, Jason, how you doing? Thanks for joining us today. Hey, buddy. I'm good. And it's good to be back with you again, Dan. And hey, congratulations on the new look and the visuals on this. It looks fantastic. Well, now, now everyone gets to see what a true Texas Ranger looks like, um, not just the voice. And by the way, you want to go to Jason Jones, again, spelled with A-E-S-O-N. JasonJones.com is the website. Jason underscore Jones on Twitter. A lot of you always ask me, who do I follow on Twitter? Where do I get the information you're getting, Daniel? Well, look, if you want to see the videos um, of what goes on at the river, what goes on in Mexico, this is the account you want to go to. You're not going to see this anywhere else. All right, Jason, here's what I can't relate to. I just can't relate to this. I'm going to read you a tweet, and I want you to run with this. Sure. John Bolton is the national security advisor for the for the president. Um, I never hear him talk about the cartels. I, I just never do. Yesterday, he said, great meeting in Belarus with Minister of Foreign Affairs Vladimir Maki. We discussed a wide range of topics related to Belarusian national security and sovereignty. Dude. Yeah. What's with the Teletubbies? 
First, I love the, I love the idea of the Teletubbies, right? I mean, Colonel Snyder and his Teletubbies, I got to tell you, hearing you say it, it makes me laugh because I've been listening to him talk about that for 10 years. You know, I mean, <laughs> the guy is something else, gr- a great American. But listen, here is the challenge and nothing has changed. Washington and the intelligence community is not does not have visibility as to what is happening in Mexico. It's our number one trading partner now. And they do not believe that what is happening in Mexico affects our country. Now, the discussion we need to have is why. What's the so what? How is it that all Americans are talking about this? They're feeling it every day in their homes. They're seeing it on their nightly news about a a human trafficking cell in their backyard taken down. And they feel it in their communities. But why is it our, our government isn't focused on this issue? And I'll tell you exactly why. It is the broken uniform crime report. The data, Dan, does not justify it. So everything that you hear me talk about all the time from public corruption, kidnapping, you know, drug trafficking, human smuggling, human trafficking, stash houses, splashdowns, Caltrop deployments. Right. I mean, and the list goes on. Cyber crimes. What has happened is that 21st century crimes and transnational crimes are not captured. And these big agencies need data to justify shifting their focus. And even though we see it, the American people feel it, they don't want to adjust to it. And it's too bad because they're failing the American people. So it's not only the fact that they don't report the crimes, but when they do, they don't report that it's a foreign national. And it it takes people like me, this reporter I mentioned from ABC's local affiliate in Montgomery County, Maryland, to actually dig through this, say, wait a minute. This is not, you know, we got our own problems. We certainly have every category of crime here, but there's a certain pervasiveness of what we're seeing. And what we're seeing is this machismo culture, which clearly has certain things. There's the child sex offenses, which are out of control. There's the drunk driving I just saw from the Department of Transportation. And this is old, but I've never cited it in my work from 2010. They note that Hispanics are way more prone to drunk driving. So it's not just me making this up. And it it depends on socioeconomic status. So certainly illegal aliens, which are lower down on that status, they're going to be more prone to it. You got, I'm noticing a lot of burnings, gruesome attacks. We've had this in this country natively to a certain extent. You always have a criminal doing some sort of thing. But I'm noticing a trend, but no one traces it back to the headlines that we should be following in Mexico. We're starting to see that here, Jason. Yeah, absolutely. And and Dan, we have been. It's nothing new, especially for those of us who've been working these border issues or living along the southwest border. But you're absolutely right. And I'm glad you brought this up. So what happens? There's not a police department or a sheriff's department in this country that is not dealing with exactly what you just what you just discussed. And the links and ties publicly being made to the public about links back to transnational criminal organizations is is known by law enforcement but it is concealed within the law enforcement sensitive criteria. So it doesn't get out for several years. By the time it does, uh, once the con- once they go through the investigative process, the arrest, then the conviction, then it comes public. But it's, again, these, these one and two incidents that are made public. Imagine if we had the system that we need that capture the, captures this and shows the American people, not every 12 months like the current Uniform Crime Report does, that does absolutely no good. You know, we as the American people need to know what's happening on a daily basis in this country. Is crime shifting? What are the new trends? 
This is easily done, Dan. We just haven't adjusted programs. And so what's happening is across this country, it's ripping us apart because what do we do? We the, the left blames the right and the right blames the left when really we, what we have is a broken system known as the Uniform Crime Report. So what's the fix? The fix is we need to create a national ComStat model like the NYPD has created, get this information out and be transparent with the American people so they as well can see what law enforcement sees and they not not just law enforcement, but have access to where the public can see crimes that are occurring around them and have their own night watch or whatever programs and neighborhood watch programs to be able to help fight crimes in their communities. And, you know, people say to me, Jason, you know, everything you say on these issues sound real good, but what's the proof? And I'll give it to you right now, Dan. In the early 90s, you know, if you look at the New York City Police Department, New York, we remember we used to call it the dirty apple, right? <laughs> Back then there was 2,200 murders a year. Look at it today, less than 350 sustained per year. That is policing at its finest anywhere in the world. And I would tell you it's doable for the rest of the country. The problem is we have to get these federal executive leaders making changes that need to be made. These are simple fixes. So here's the deal, Jason. As you noted, you got to identify where this is coming from. It makes a big difference to know whether it's inherently domestic or whether it's inherently coming externally and so much that goes on i mean starting to know you and derek maltz and 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 dan steiner and doing my own research every day you and i trade back and forth and some of us these texts and emails and we're like yep this is another crime it's it's related to the cartels related to the cartels and to the extent people even know about them in their local media markets it will just be reported as if it's almost a domestic crime and it's not it's coming from the cartels so could you discuss a little bit how our government to this day refuses to give a rip about the cartel? So even even when they cared about the border, it was the migration, which is inextricably related to the cartels. But now that they did half-baked end of catch and release, we have a cut in the numbers about 50%. It was cut in half. Now, if we would shut it down fully, it would shut down fully, but 50%. So my impression is that Trump feels at this point, no pressure, no pressure to act on the cartels. Because, okay, I, I alleviated the problem with the migration, but now we're like, wait a minute, but the cartels are doubling down on the drug trafficking, doubling down on bringing in the previously deported criminals, the gang members, the cartel bosses going back and forth. So could you start off your presentation by giving an update why it appears, even the media, like the LA Times had an article on this, that the violence is worse than ever with the cartels. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And let me let me just say one thing to that too. Everything that you just brought up is fixable. The problem is the executive leadership in these government agencies, Dan, that just don't want to change. We finally have the president who is making, and I can tell the folks right now, he is asking the question of leadership. Do we need to designate the cartels as foreign terrorist organizations? And I can tell you exactly what the man is being told. No, sir, we don't. Who is telling and why? You that? Yeah, specifically, I can give you one right now. That's Utom Dillon, who is now the administrator of the Drug Enforcement Administration. He doesn't want to change. Now, why? Uh, because he is fearful that by the, the, 
by designating the Mexican cartels as foreign terrorist organizations, it's going to allow the FBI into Mexico and into areas where they operate. Well, the drug problem in this country is so bad right now. And, you know, where is DEA? I have worked very closely. Some of my closest friends are with the Drug Enforcement Administration. Dan, I can't tell you it's a fantastic agency, but right now it has no leadership. And, Ooh, you know, this, the guy is let's, a, let's give a bio here. Dillamudin has never worked drugs. I don't even think he's been in law enforcement. He was a White House lawyer that was appointed yes, as acting correct. administrator. Um, I know I know for a fact that Jeff Sessions, when he was um, uh, attorney general, did submit names to the president to be confirmed. But somehow this acting director is still there. But we talked about this week, and this ties all into reporting and data and understanding what is the nature and the source of a problem. They're fully focused on prescription drugs, suing Johnson and Johnson. And meanwhile, prescriptions are the lowest level in 30 years. Prescription deaths are low. It's all the chemical warfare from the cartels. And you're telling me the DEA head doesn't want to designate them. Dan, you can't make this stuff up. And this is the problem. You know, while the American people have spoken and they finally put the, the president in there that is supportive of border operations, he is building the border wall. Problem is, he's got leadership in key positions, not only in DEA, but also within the State Department that do not want to change. So that's that's the real issue. But now let's focus on the cartels for a little bit about what they're doing. You know, um, it. it Tamaulipas, the state of Tamaulipas, which borders the great state of Texas, uh, has become completely embattled since August 13th, when Cartel del Noreste, also known formerly as the La Zetas, now rebranded into CDN, uh, went into a, a small community known as Miguel Alamán, right across from Roma, Texas, Dan. I mean, I've been there, I can't tell you how many times, right across a very small river is this small community. They came in with 36 armored and non-armored vehicles and several multiple convoys. And over the course of several days, fired hundreds of thousands of rounds right on our border. Where was the national media on this? Nothing has changed going back to 2009 that we've been dealing with this problem. And this is a national failure of not only the national media, but the Defense Intelligence Agency, the National Intelligence Community, NORTHCOM, you know, where are they? These things could have easily been stopped. The tripwires of what was about to occur were clear. When CDN in early July crossed into past the DMZ line into Cartel de Gafo's area, we knew the battle was coming because they took over a little community known as Los Guetta right next to Miguel Aleman. And, you know, I, I don't want to get too in, into the weeds here, but I also want to be very clear that it was very visible, even to a retired guy, what was coming. Why were there no proactive things conducted and, and, and wait, to th stop th this? That city that you just mentioned was across the river from where the agents got shot at, the border agents. That's, exact, that's exactly right. That's a great point. I'm glad you brought that up because we also need to be very clear here. We almost lost two federal agents. Over 50 rounds of automatic gunfire from six different ambush sites from Cartel de Gafo tried to kill our agents. If it had not been at night, if they had not been traveling 35 miles an hour on the water in their boat at the time, I'm telling you right now, we would have lost two agents. I've spoken with Border Patrol uh, who know some of these guys and they were saying the, the rounds were just 
you know, going all around them. And, you know, the boat was hit six to eight times. Six to I eight mean, times. multiple times. So, so you could see in the background here, um, those are pretty big bullet holes that are right in the words custom and border protection <laughs> labeled on the boat there. So that is a big deal. And and yeah, you, you, you could see that there. But yeah, I mean, I just wanted to elucidate what you were saying, Jason. We, we got the pictures and. Um, yeah, and Dan, we did nothing. Our government did absolutely nothing. Does the nothing. president now, even I, get briefed on this? Well, I, I, there, there's another one. I wonder if he even knows. I'll promise you most of what you and I are talking about right now know. is not making the president. It's not making the PDB, the presidential's daily briefing, yeah. I'll promise you. Because why? The intelligence community is not focused on this issue. And the reason goes back to a broken system. They are blind to what is occurring in Mexico. You know, and I get it. I travel this country, Dan. I talk to the American people. I'm briefing this all the time. And I can't tell you when I when I go around how many times people tell me, Jason, we have never heard this before. We have no idea of this. Now, if the federal agencies don't have the data and the intelligence community doesn't have the data, how can they steer and refocus billion dollar programs towards a problem set that, that, that no one is seeing? And it's not that it's not happening. It is happening. All the community, the country is feeling it. The American people feel this. But again, it's just a broken system. Um, could you talk a little bit more about so this incident where the golf cart, this was the golf cartel that shot at the agents. There was a story out there, Sarah Carter, I think is the first one who reported it, that the golf cartel were creating some sort of pulley system under the water to cross drugs. And that's and they didn't want the agents to discover it. Is, is that what you heard? It is. And that really what was happening, it's not so much the pulley system that they were using. Um, it was the cocaine that they were moving that they didn't want to get caught, captured. And now let, there you go again with another tripwire. Why were they moving a large amount of cocaine like that? Because they knew the war was coming. Dan, that that happened on the night. They, the war started on the 13th. So what it was was them moving product into the U.S. as quickly as possible because they have to make money. Look, when the cartels go to battle, just so the folks know, it's extremely expensive. So they've got to move a lot of product. And it affects us directly. This isn't a, an issue that doesn't affect the American people because when the cartels go to war, like what we're, we're now seeing, when the plot, we call it the plaza is heating up, immediately what you saw was cartel members coming into the United States. If you remember El Diablo, who was one of the leaders uh, under the Metro faction, he fled the very next day and was captured by Border Patrol coming into the United States. Promito, who was running the Metro faction, is missing right now. So I suspect he's either in the U.S. along with many other Sicarios. This is what happens. This isn't new. And this is why I monitor the daily tripwires, because it directly affects the American people. And there's just one last part to this that I'll, that I'll bring up, and that is that as we have seen time and time again in the past, when they go to war like this, they will cross into the country. And those people who have lost drug loads or who owe money to the cartels will be kidnapped, taken back into Mexico and extorted or killed until they get the money. Wait, That's how this works. So, so there, there's two important things you mentioned. Number one, related to obviously understanding where the problem is, you have the Drug Enforcement Administration which should be cognizant of what are going to be the tripwires to get in drugs, if that is your job to stop it. Yeah. And yet completely out to lunch. Let's go sue Johnson and Johnson prescriptions. Yeah, I mean, nothing going on there. 
But then you mentioned yeah, and, yeah. And the meth and methamphetamine right now is coming into the country. And it's not even level. an opioid. Cocaine and meth are psychostimulants, and they're like the opioid crisis because it sounds like a medical term. So people's minds go to healthcare, doctors, pharmaceuticals. No, you idiots! It's the freaking cartels. It's not an opioid crisis. It's a poly drug crisis from the cartels. So some you know China involved, obviously. Derek talks about this all the time. But um, but uh, where I live in Baltimore, Maryland, and again. Baltimore is what 1500 1700 miles away from the border blacks are dying in this city like anything terrible from cocaine it's not an opioid it's cocaine yeah it's coming exactly from this and 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 it's like these teletubbies are like oh or the pharmaceuticals <laughs> yeah and it goes back to the efficiency of the cartels you know Dan I've watched it for many many years as soon as the U.S. government focuses on whatever they're doing they adjust and they get ahead of it and they follow the market very rapidly. And, you know, it's just where we are. So, you know, in the national news, we're talking about opioids, but yet the cartels have already moved on to fentanyl and, you know, methamphetamine and cocaine and, and not only domestically, but globally. I mean, they're making almost two hundred thousand dollars a kilo in Australia right now. No, so I mean, so Australia's got tremendous problems. So when we talk about them, I don't want you know this. I get asked this a lot. The reason I want to bring this up mm -hmm. real quick is because. Uh, it's not a U.S. problem. It's a global problem, the cartels. And we have to look at them for where they are today, not the way I'm glad you brought them. that up because we're always lectured that Europe and Australia don't have the pain-killing prescribing regime of America. You know, like all these, why can't it be like Europe? Like America sucks with all these, uh, you know, pain-killer things. Hey, they don't have it. You're right. And they still have the cocaine problem. Hezbollah is making a ton of money off the European cocaine market. So, dude, it's not the painkillers. It's a cultural problem that gets people on it. Mainly people that are stable chronic pain patients don't go to heroin. It's a, mainly a different demographic. It's a cultural problem. And if you allow these people to run amok, they, they'll go and spread it around. But here's the deal. Jason, it doesn't stop with drugs. This pervades their bank accounts. Then they use it for the next thing you said. So whenever you have this cartel warfare, people will be like, ah, what do I care? It's a bunch of cartels fighting with each other. Right. So you're saying right. every time CDN and Gulf has a war, they come over on our side. Could you explain absolutely. that a little better? Just like in, absolutely. Just like the Juarez plot. You, you remember back in 2011 to 2013 when Sinaloa moved in and took over the plaza from the Juarez cartel. That that war was tremendous. I mean, we felt that in Texas, in the El Paso region and into New Mexico for many years. I mean, you know, I'd come back from the weekend and we'd have over 50 dead from gun battles on the Mexico side. But yet we would also have kidnappings occurring in the United States going back into Mexico. None of that ever makes it public. Right. Because those were law enforcement sensitive things. And this is where I go back to, you know, what happens in Mexico, Dan, affects the American people. It is not, you know, drugs we talk about. That is something the cartel does today. It is not what they are. They are into everything from human trafficking to human smuggling. And I will tell you, and you've heard me say this, you know, the the failure to secure the border when we had this humanitarian crisis and for the, for the failure of collaboration of federal agencies to work together, we're going to have massive effects of crime in this country in the next 18 to 24 months. And we're already beginning to see it. It's hitting earlier than I thought it was going to. That's the thing. They don't connect it back. It's not just drugs or even necessarily exclusively related to drugs. So speaking of what's going on in Mexico, um, I want you guys who are watching or if you're listening on iTunes or Stitcher, 
Uh, but you definitely do want to go to YouTube, subscribe to our YouTube account. Borderlandbeat.com, terrific website that I think you know is is just a good way if you're not clued into which type of cartels control what and do what. And you just scroll down their articles. Mexico missing, Guadalajara, the city where you can feel the fear. And they talk about massive graves there and people moving out of Guadalajara. Um, typically, when you see in the Middle East hostage videos, you know, the videos, the scary guys with the AKs dancing around um, in the garb, and then they behead so on. And then this is what happens to someone who, who doesn't uh, join with us. We call that terrorism okay that, that everyone understands that if they have like a muslim sounding name so it's terrorism you go to borderlandbeat.com it's just one website and and scroll down and if you just swap the hispanic sounding names for muslim names everyone would clearly understand it's terrorism times 100 right i'm, I'm, I'm looking at everything they're doing here and you look at again the bars where they they would do um a recording like this interrogation and then they chopped the guy's head off um this was cjng um because they're fighting with the zetas now and let's see where else this is i mean really it's brutal really gruesome stuff um oh yeah so is it that they don't know this is going on or they just don't care they don't care um I, i'll tell you what it is you know look from the last I guess four days straight, we've had back-to-back -back roaring gun battles in Nuevo Laredo, right across from Laredo, Texas. Those gun battles can be heard by the citizens that live in Texas, just as it was in Miguel Aleman and other areas. So these plazas have heated up now, and it's not going to stop anytime soon, Dan. I mean, we should expect this for some time. And all of this affects the American people. The problem is who do we hold accountable? And I will tell the American people exactly who it is. It's the administrator of DEA. He needs to be removed from his position for failing to take action to stop these things. DEA has a very large contingent in Mexico. I've worked very closely with those folks down there. They should have been working extremely hard to ensure that this could have been stopped. And I want you to know, as someone that has worked this border, sat down across from Mexican generals and talked to them to help give them intelligence in the past, uh, these, these actions occurring right now on our border could have been stopped. This was a leadership failure. In the Department of Justice, this is a leadership failure in the intelligence community to take action and to focus on this issue. And they need to be held accountable. And I, I hope someone from the administration is, is listening right now and does that because we can't do the same thing we've always done and expect something different to happen. No, 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 no question about that. Um, I, I don't know where these people get their jobs from. And, and this has been a real puzzling pick with Udom Dillon, the DEA administrator. I don't, I've never seen anything like that in my life. I really don't even think he has law enforcement experience. And, and again, Jason, it's a typical, these are the Teletubbies in the White House I've been making fun out of for a year and a half with immigration law. Well, I don't know, I, anyone in the world, there's a right to come to our borders, nothing we can do, a Ninth Circuit said. Like, that's how their brains think. Like, oh, you know, I, they're drug cartels, they're not terrorists. I mean, it's classic thinking. So I know exactly where a guy like that is coming from. And uh, they, they just don't keep up with what's going on They're They're always 10, 15 years behind. One, one other thing that really I think a lot of people don't realize. Look, I'm an America first, America only type of guy. I don't care what goes on in other countries. It's not our job and often our ability to fix it. 
And I would like to just, you know, not just build a wall, but have our military at the border and screw you, Mexico, and we're safe. But there's a problem. And anyone who knows military tactics and understands what's going on in the Middle East understands this. There's a cultural cross-border insurgency. And I want you to d- discuss your experience with te- Texas law enforcement. The, the, the bottom line is that in the areas immediately north of the river, on our side of the border, there is a tremendous cross-pollination culturally, business-wise. It is yeah. the same demographic. They are Mexicans. Some have been here longer. Some have been here shorter. Some have been here, came legally. Some have been here for five generations. Some are here illegally. You can't ignore the cultural insurgency going on on the other side and expect that not to affect Hidalgo, Cameron, um, Star Counties, and North. Could you discuss a little bit what you saw in law enforcement, how they've you know, embedded themselves in the culture, this cartel culture on our side of the border? Yeah, absolutely. You know, the cartel uses the exact same tactics they use in Mexico to corrupt every level uh, throughout that country of its government um, and its military and law enforcement. They do the exact same thing here. And I can go into great detail, which, well, unfortunately, I can't because most of this is still law enforcement sensitive as to how they send people over here. They put them in uh, very nice neighborhoods and very large homes. And they have these big parties and get togethers where they bring elected officials in. It's the same thing they do in Mexico. But what has happened is now uh, along our border, what we are seeing is juveniles on our side being recruited in middle school, working for the cartels at what we call the Halcon level or Falcons who are operating in Texas. I can tell you from my own experience, up to 25 miles into the United States on a two-way handheld encrypted radio. We literally have in South Texas hundreds of these people. They check on and off just like law enforcement does, working a 12-hour shift usually. And they sometimes, uh, I mean, it's a 24-7, 365 operation, so it never shuts down. And they monitor the movements of all law enforcement, including airports. Uh, The airports down in South Texas, for example, they have people from the cartels watching those airports. And every time a law enforcement aircraft takes off, they tell what we call Central uh, on the Mexico side, run by cartel leadership, where which direction that helicopter or that airplane is taken off and heading toward the border. This is how it works. These are real-time operations that never shut down. So, Jason, I mean, my problem here is that if you look at what they do in the Middle East, Hezbollah, Al-Qaeda, they understand it's not just guys with guns and, and machetes. They understand you have to win the culture. And, you know, they play off of that. They, they hand out freebies. They give pensions to um, the people that join their ranks and the fighters. They take care of people. The problem is Mexico, as we know, is very poor. These, most of these people are very poor. I mean, there's a two-class system, but, but a lot of people are very poor. But also on our side of the border, you look at a poverty map among the top 15 impoverished counties out of 3000 are the ones in the Rio Grande Valley. And that's how they go around passing around cash and getting people bought off. I mean, isn't that a big part of the problem that they're expanding their reach to our side of the border? 
Yeah, absolutely. And the narco culture is coming across with that as well. And that's affecting, you know, much, uh, much farther from the border than most, I think, most Americans realize, you know, uh, Santa Muerte, you know, you'll see that in small shops in Houston and Dallas and other parts of the country now. So the narco culture is really taking over. And, 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 you know, it's a good versus evil fight now, in my opinion, as well. I mean, we've got to counter this culture and it's time that our government stepped up. This is doable, Dan. I mean, you know, these are criminal organizations that are network, dark networks operating not only around the world, but you know, throughout you know, Mexico, Central and South America and our own country. We just haven't focused on it. But we have seen the evolution for a very long time. Look at the violence in the 80s down in Colombia. Look at how it moved north into Central America in the 90s. And then in the 2000s, we began to really deal with this in Mexico. Well, it's now at our border. Mm. And, and it is in, in hitting this country. And we have to do something that we have not done previously. And I want to, you know, if I was to just ask the folks right now, what is our national strategy for border security? Well, it's to build a wall and get some funding for CBP. That's not a strategy. Those are things that we should have been doing a long time ago. We need a national strategy that brings in a holistic approach of all local, state, federal, DOD, and the intelligence community working together. And I can tell you, as someone who built very large programs in Texas, collaboration is key. A lot of people laugh at that, but the American people have spent money a hundred times over to fix this problem. We don't need to buy more helicopters. We need to use helicopters already in service. We don't need to get more boats. We just need to get the DOD and others to give us boats they have and collaborate and work together toward this problem. And until these executive leaders within these agencies are held accountable, Dan, it's not going to happen. But this is fixable. These things are fixable. I can tell you in Texas, when we took this fight to the cartels, we took back the river. We owned it. We saw index crimes, which are your local burglaries, robberies, and other things, drop by over 20 percent along the southwest border of Texas. So we know what works. Um, but, you know, we've got a lot of people in very high leadership positions who don't understand the challenges that we face, who, you know, just aren't getting the job done so, and they need to be fired for so it. So, Jason, let's say we got our wish and we named the cartels as terrorists and we unleashed DOD, SOCOM where appropriate, other intel assets to directly go after the cartels as we would if Hezbollah were doing the same thing or Al Qaeda at our border. The question I get asked is this. Are the Mexican people, okay, are they at the point where they are so fed up with the cartels that they would welcome it? Or would we have the problem we have in the Middle East where you got, you know, the Americans, once they we start you turning our guns on, on you know, their criminals, their terrorists, the, the culture of the people start rallying around them and they view us as invaders. We would see a little of both of that, to be quite honest okay. with you. And the reason is because we've allowed this problem in Mexico to just get at unprecedented levels. And let's talk about that for a second, Dan. You know, 200,000 Mexican citizens killed since 2007. Currently, uh, in 2019, 17,000 in the first six months have been have been murdered in, in Mexico. In 2018, there was 33,000, just under 34,000 uh, murdered down there. Those numbers are unprecedented. That 2018 was the highest levels, and 2019 will be higher than it was in 2018. You know, and, and, and I bring that up because 
yesterday, I don't know if you noticed in the news, they're talking about 40,000 missing people in that country, 26,000 dead bodies and more, 26,000, think of this, in morgues across the country, they can't identify who they are. So they're having huge issues. And, you know, it, it's, it's terrible because this immigration issue in the United States has divided the American people so much that the human rights violations occurring in Mexico are, is not getting the attention that it deserves. And it's a shame because if Mexico is where Syria is right now, this would be on the national news all night. But because of the immigration issue, we link everything to border to immigration. And, 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 and what's happening in Mexico. And that is not the case. These are different issues that deserve priorities of our government. And, you know, you can't have 200,000 people horribly killed. And I look at this stuff every day it, since 2007 and not do anything about it. It is just it's mind boggling to me. There's there's not a plaza in that country, you know, in the old vacation areas of Cancun, Acapulco. You know, the top five most deadliest cities or top 10 most deadliest cities in the world, five of them are in now in Mexico. It is yeah. it, it's falling apart. And yet the department, the, the State Department is missing in action on this. They have gone completely silent. And this is the problem. If you can't address a problem that you don't know or it's not publicized, we're starting to see this. I'm not saying we've turned the corner and he's going to do this. But I am hearing reports, and I think the Washington Times had an article out, that the Montgomery County executive here in Maryland was starting to say, yeah, maybe I'm going to start cooperating with ICE. Because one local ABC News reporter just started to investigate and said, hey, I found six illegal alien child molesters arrested in your county because it's a sanctuary in just one month. I, I could do this in every county. It would we would have a yes. different country. We don't report it. It's the same thing. Oh well, I don't know of the two hundred thousand deaths. The media didn't tell me about it, so it doesn't exist. You know. And then you mentioned, Jason. You mentioned the um, immigration, how they view view the border um, only in that prism. It shocks me that the border patrol and CBP find a need to release a press release every time. There's something with an illegal alien kid. Yes, yes. The kid's in the hospital. He's taking care of. Don't worry. Don't worry. It wasn't our fault. Hoo hoo. Uh, and and oh, then yeah. and then you know yesterday you saw I hit at you know my 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 friend Mark Morgan, acting director. I get what he's trying to do. He puts out on Twitter. Oh, you know this is awesome. Um, look at what Borstar is doing. They helped so many more people. I'm thinking, dude. Borstar trains with Delta Force. These are specially high, highly trained guys. Why don't we unleash them on the cartels? You want to talk about humanitarian? I mean, dude, if you tie our guys down to deal with that, you're going to keep the problem going. But here, this is from Borderland Beat. Los Mexicalis, the faction of the Sinaloa cartel accused of killing three innocent girls and Mexicalis fight back denying responsibility. You know, what about those children? Right. So wh why is it such a myopic focus that they feel that the only need they need to respond to is care for Central American children coming here? Yeah, and I'm, I'm really glad you brought up that post yesterday. It's so funny that you're doing that. I, I saw his post. And did you notice they were pictures? And the reason I bring that up is where's the video? The American people today need to see what's happening at our border. So why is it that a guy who's now retired, 
myself is who I'm talking about here, is talking about splashdowns and Caltrop deployments and tactics at the border, but we never see it. Well, the reason is because Border Patrol is so outdated in how they're operating as a law enforcement entity. Dan, they have no body cameras. They had no situational awareness of what is happening. Here's what I mean by that. No body cameras on their people. No GPS locators on their vehicles. No GPS on their boats. No GPS on their helicopters and their high-flying aircraft. Now, why is that important? Because situational awareness to how what is happening on the ground so that real-time you can respond and see where your operators are is something that the state of Texas went to in 2009. Here we are 10 years later in 2019, and the men and women of the United States Customs and Border Protection don't have this equipment. This is at the such basic level. So let me give you an example where I'm talking about this. This is where you use data to drive your operations. You get intel, you see the data from yesterday's or, or the seizures from earlier, and you then put assets there and you watch it real time and you see where your gaps are along that water. They don't even have that ability. Yet they show these great, cool looking helicopters. They show them, you know, fast roping out of them. At the state of Texas, we've been doing data driven operations. My God, NYPD has been doing it since the 90s. And yet we have a border force that has not been properly funded in all fairness to them. But these are leadership failures. And um, the United States Border Patrol uh, I'll be quite frank with you. That that is just but, unacceptable. But the, but the problem, unacceptable. the problem, Jason, is like you're saying, if if we were to give them an extra three billion dollars, um, in the upcoming appropriation bill that they're going to pass in September, if you don't change the policies, then it's all going to go in the black yeah. hole. Yeah, no, no, well said. And and if your leadership is going to do the same thing they've always done and not bring in new technology to fight 21st century problems, then you're then you're just stuck. You're absolutely right. This is actually why I've been very happy that the president put Mark Morgan there. I am looking to see from Mark massive sweeping changes. And that means and, and I'll just be very frank with you to include firing a lot of the executive leadership within the agency. Oh, yeah. It's a great it, it's a fantastic organization. And you know me, Dan, I praise the men and women of CBP every day. Some of them are my closest friends, but we've got to be real honest. They are behind in what they they're are. doing. They're not lever they're not leveraging technology and they're not utilizing um they're not efficient at all in what they're doing. And it's time to change. Part of that problem is the DHS lawyers, the lawyers. Yeah, it, it all gets back to well, them. Well, hey, here's, hey I'll, I'll, just, I'll be happy to say it. That's no problem. You just fire lawyers and you get new ones until they say what you want to want to hear. No, I, I mean, that's, that's how that I'm works. I'm sick of here. Um, now you, you see, we can't go across the river because that would be an international incident. <laughs> what the hell? The whole thing is an international incident. It's like Mexico has no sovereignty. The cartels control it. They come to our side, but we can't attack the cartels because it's Mexico, but it's not Mexico because they don't have control over it. And I just want to end with that point. We're, we're out of time. I want you to just briefly just describe what happened this week. We had a cartel and cartel always happening, but something serious happened um, near Nuevo Laredo where CDN ambushed a bunch of state police. And even though AMLO yeah. just kind of ceded it to them, doesn't do anything, but even he was forced to send in some troops and had they had a pretty big battle. Could you just give us a briefing on what happened there? Yeah, sure. You had uh, a lot of the state police officers there staying in a hotel known as uh, Santa Teresa, and they were attacked in the middle of the night, killing one, injuring several. 
and the gun battles raged. I was posting them uh, first thing the next morning as, as some of my sources down there were giving them to us. And as a result, uh, the president was forced to get Sedana soldiers in there. And they, they're higher, they've had ever since, Dan, roaring gun battles throughout the city, raging. You know, and, and for the folks who aren't familiar with how the cartel operates, you know, they, they're using specifically CDN is using fourth generation armored vehicles with slide in armor. It slides into the back where they shoot 50 caliber belt fed machine guns roaring throughout the city. And some of these videos are incredible. I mean, you have tens of thousands of rounds fired in just a matter of a few hours. Yet these gun battles will rage all day. It's, it's just incredible. I don't know what it's going to take to get the political class to, to focus on this, but we are going to bang away. It worked on some of the immigration law stuff. Maybe it will work on. Uh, on the cartels, on our national security. Yes, it's not just about Belarusian sovereignty and security. It's about American sovereignty and security. Um, Jason, any final words? It, yeah, I just want to close on one thing if I could, and that is to the folks watching, this is fixable. So what do we need to do to fix it? One, designate the Mexican cartels as foreign terrorist organizations. They meet all of the criteria. And what this will do is give the authorities to start going after them. Two, the second thing we need to do is create a national ComStat model. We do that. It will now show the American people and law enforcement at every level, to include the intelligence community and the Department of Defense, exactly the transnational crimes that are occurring in this country and what criminal organizations they're a part of so that the American um, uh, homeland security enterprise can focus on them today. And then after that, we've got to require collaboration and leverage new technology in some of these government agencies. It's not being utilized, but that's doable. That's leadership. So you've elected the president who is behind border security. The problem is now we need to get the executive leaders in these agencies to get the job done. That's the issue. You know, I can't believe eight, almost 18 years now, we're coming up on the 18th the anniversary of 9-11. We're still talking about this. Um, and, and nothing has yeah. changed. It's, it's really very sad. But Jason, thanks for joining us. Folks, I hope you guys enjoy your weekend. I don't know what the heck Labor Day is, but I'll take it. Family time. Um, really, we should be celebrating Constitution Day on the 17th instead of Labor Day. That's a whole nother story. Enjoy your time off. God bless y'all. And thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.